0: This message comes to you from City Bible Church in Portland, Oregon, where we are committed to living like Jesus and sharing his love. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life.
1: Well, you know, today marks a very special season for us as a church where we take the month of November to focus on this one big thought. What does it mean to live a life of generosity? And for over 20 years, we've been celebrating this thing that we call Faith Harvest. But it really has a whole lot more to do than just money. It has everything to do about you and me, the resources that we've been given, and recognizing that everything that we've been giving came from him, is for him, and to be used for his purposes. And if we just stop and we think about just this particular season over the last... 20 years. The testimonies are immeasurable. You hear the lives of people that have been touched. Not only those that have been given. That's really the lesser part of this story. The bigger part of this story are the thousands and thousands of lives that this church has touched as a result of our generosity. When I think of the people in our city, the foster care children, I think of the homeless people, I think of the sex trafficking victims, we could go down the list, so many things that we talked about last week in Vision Sunday. What we begin to realize is that God is at work in your life and my work to make a difference, or my, my life and your life to make a difference in this globe. And when I think about this whole idea about faith harvest, it's, we have to recognize that everything that God has given us is to come not just to bless us, to be, but to be used for his purposes, And we talk often during this particular time about this idea of seeds. And we have to recognize that God himself, with his immeasurable amount of seeds, that he places a measure of seeds into each of our hands. Every day, every heartbeat that you get is another seed. It's called time. Every talent that you have, every paycheck that you get, everything that you get, it comes from heaven into your hands. And when we look at what's in our hands and what God has placed in our hands that comes from him, we recognize that these seeds, they represent our time, our talent, and our treasures. All things that God has given to you and continually gives to you, literally every time your heart beats, it's another seed of opportunity to do something great for him. And so everything that you hold in your hands has been given to you by God and the intention of him giving it to you was not to make your life just happy and whole, but was used so that you might reinvest those into people, into the lives of others, that we recognize that every seed was to be poured back into his purposes for everything that he wants. Guys, it's the only reason why we're here is to make him known, to know him, and to make him known. And here's the cool thing about it. He promises us that when we take the seeds that he's put into our hands and we reinvest them back into his purposes and his plans, that there's favor and blessing and abundant life that comes your way. So much more than finances. This really isn't about finances. This is about your entire life that you're blessed in every measure of your life when we put it back into everything that God asks us to do. You know, there's a scripture in Zechariah, and this was a scripture by a prophet that was speaking to Israel about a very opportune time in the history of Israel. And he's coming to them just like today to remind them of a critical time in the history of Israel. And he's saying, listen, God is speaking to us to do great things. He's given to us our seeds, our time, our talent, and our treasures. And he begins to beg the children of Israel to recognize the time and season in which they're living and to invest their time, talent, treasures into the building of the temple. And then he brings this promise to them because I believe this is very parallel to our time. The time and season in which we're living is very specific for us as Christians today. And what we choose to do, every single one of us, with our time, talent, and treasures will directly, dep- uh, will directly have an effect on whether we accomplish what God wants us to do as a family or not. This is what Zechariah was saying. And he says this. He says, for the seed, again, as God pours it into your hand, if you're taking it and you're putting it back into his kingdom, he says, the seed shall be prosperous. The vine will give its fruit. Listen listen to the promise from God. If you put the seed in the place that it was intended to go, he's saying your life will be prosperous, it will be fruitful. He says, the ground shall give her increase. There'll be more to your life, more favor, more influence, more abundance, more blessings. And the heavens shall give their due. And I love this. He says, I will cause the remnant of this people, these that sow their seed, he says, to possess all of these. I think God shows us that his math is pretty simple. He doesn't want to make it complicated. And that is, is if you and I Plant our seed in the field that God asks us to plant it, He'll bring great increase to your life. It's really that simple. And so, over for the next, the next four weeks, we're gonna be talking about this one theme: the generous life. This isn't just a four-month, excuse me, a four-week series on giving. This is a message that I pray. And that I hope changes our heart as a congregation to live a generous life. One week from now, four months from now, 10 years from now. Whatever it is that we recognize that we want to be a people that bless. We want to be a people that take everything that we have and live a life of generosity. Because if we can accomplish that, God can do immeasurable, unlimited, amazing things in the days to come. But it's going to take all of us coming to this place saying, you know what? I choose to be a generous person. This is what this word generous means. It's a pretty simple definition. It means free and sharing and giving, you're not holding on to things like they're your own. It means being noble and open handed. Again, with everything, with every thought, with your emotions, with your talents, with your, with your energy, with your time, with your talents, and with your treasures, that everything that we have that just in our heart, what we want to do is we just want to love people. We just want to help people. We just want to serve people. We just want to give of our time. Why? Because people matter, for, matter to God and they matter to us. And I put together this thought for this series, and I want you to just to catch the cyclical thought of this this statement here, but but let me read it to you. This is what God's idea is of your life. This is what it means to live a generous life. Our abundantly generous God, how many believe that God's a generous God? Come on, that's all of us, who created us to live a generous life, mastercrafted, an ingenious idea or plan that freely gave us all that we have so we could give it away for his purposes to only receive more blessings in return to only give them away again. And that's really what a generous life is. It's understanding that God pours, you give back, he pours again, you give back again, you give your time he gives you more. And you see over and over again, this is the kingdom economy of God. It's what a generous life is all about. And I want to look at a portion of Scripture this morning. If you have your Bibles, if you'd open up to 1 Corinthians, excuse me, 1 Chronicles 29. 1 Chronicles 29. And I want to encourage you just to take a look at this portion of Scripture throughout the week as well and read through it and meditate upon it. It's going to be a a portion of scripture that we're going to look at for the entire month. And this is a, a story, if you will, of the last days of David's life. And we see in this particular scripture that David's come to a point in his life where he recognizes everything that's in front of him. You know, David was known as one of the most... Um, well-renowned figures in scripture. He was a poet, he was a psalmist, he was a musician, he was a warrior, he was a man of God, he was known as a man after God's own heart. And here's David as a king coming to the end of his life and what's sitting in front of him is all of his resources. He's reflecting back at his life. He acknowledges that this desire to build the temple is not gonna happen in his lifetime so here he is in this chasm between life and death, between the temporal and the eternal, looking at his literally billions of dollars of assets. And he begins to model something to you and me that really showcases his entire life, that his life was not his own. And he does something here that is so significant. I believe it not only just turned the history of Israel... But I think it modeled to you and me how to live a generous life. And so if you have your Bibles, I want to read the first nine verses, if you will, of this particular chapter. And I just want you just to hear the story unfold. It says, then King David turned to the entire assembly, meaning all the people, and said, my son Solomon, whom God has chosen to be the next king of Israel is still young and inexperienced. The work ahead of him is enormous. Come on, I believe the work for City Bible Church in the future is enormous. For the temple he will build is not just another building, it is for the Lord God himself. Using every resource at my command, I have gathered as much as I could for building the temple of my God. I love this. Now there is enough. Come on, say there's enough. Come on, there's enough. He's recognizing that whatever God's called them to do within the midst of that assembly, there is enough to accomplish all God has called them to. There is enough gold, silver, bronze, iron, wood, as well as great quantities of onyx, other precious stones, costly jewels, and all kinds of fine stones and marble. And now because of my devotion to the temple of my God, I'm giving all of my own private treasures, I love this, my own private treasures of gold and silver to help in the construction. This is in addition to the building materials that I've already collected for this holy temple. He says, I am donating more than 112 tons, tons, T-O-N-S, tons of gold. Listen, David was a billionaire, billionaire with a B. This represents $4.65 billion of gold. How many think that's a pretty good offering? Come on, some three of you. Okay, come on, how many think that's a pretty? $4.65 billion of gold and over 260 tons of refined silver. That's $150 million of silver. To be used for overlaying the walls of the building and for other gold and silver, work to be done by craftsmen. Now, then, who will follow my example? There's a challenge. We'll talk about that next week. <laughs> That's a challenge. Come on, we'll talk about that next week. Please be here. Who is willing to give offerings to the Lord? We'll talk about that in the third week. Then, here is their response. Then the families, the leaders of the tribes of Israel, the generals and captains of the army and the kings, administrative officers, all gave willingly. This isn't a pressure thing. This is about what the Lord does on your heart, on my heart, on your heart. For the construction of the temple of God, for they gave 188 tons of gold, 10,000 gold coins, 375 tons of silver, 675 tons of bronze, and about 3,750 tons of iron. That is about $9 billion. They doubled up on David right there. Saying, you give 4.65, we're going to give 9 billion. How many think that's a big offering? Come on. They also contributed numerous precious stones that were deposited in the treasury of the house of the Lord under the care of Jehiel and descendants of Gershon. The people rejoiced over the offerings, for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord, and King David was filled with joy. Can we just stop and think about that for a second? If you're like me, I would be asking this question, what? in the world were they thinking? I mean, come on, let's be honest. Listen, the offering itself, if you were to put $13.65 billion of gold and silver and iron into trucks, there would right now be 40 different, excuse me, 214 40-foot semis in our driveway today. I think that's an offering. And I think about that, I think first of all, why would you give all of that? Where did it come from? How come they were so blessed? Could it be possible that maybe as you study the children of Israel, and David's life in particular, that there were some secrets that they understood about living the generous life? And so today I want to talk about some of those secrets. I want to talk today about the generous opportunity. These are going to be very basic, but they're so critical to where we're going in the coming days. Let me look at a couple generous life realities. The first thing I look at when I look at this scripture is that God has given me everything. This isn't something that we grab a hold of intellectually. This is something that we need to embrace in our lifestyle and our behaviors. That God actually gave David everything. He modeled this. He says this, First Chronicles 29, 1 and 2, where he says, The temple he will build is not for mere mortals, it is from the Lord God himself. He says, Using every resource. He didn't say my resource. Every resource at my command, meaning I'm going to use my influence, I'm going to use my power, I'm going to use my leadership to try to inspire everybody to recognize that nothing that they have is theirs. It all started from God. Your time, your talents, your treasures, listen guys, they all come from God, everything. Your heartbeat right now, the next one that you have, and now the next one, those come from God. He's the one that gives you every heartbeat, every breath to breathe, everything that we have started from him and comes from him. David models this whole thing to us. And he shows us this thing, is that everything originates with God, we're simply stewards of those resources. And hear me real real carefully here. Stewardship is not a subcategory of the Christian life. Stewardship is the Christian life. Right. Oh, really it's not just the stuff that you have that he cares about, it's you personally. It's your life, it's your body, it's your being. Everything that we have, including you, is his new testament says very clearly that you're not your own you were bought with a price even paul said he says it's no longer i who live but it's christ who lives in me in galatians and we have to recognize when we give our life to christ we give our life to christ We give him everything. We say, God, I am now all yours. I'm not my own. Everything that I am, everything that I have, everything that will come my way, it will never be mine again. In fact, God, forgive me for even thinking for a moment that any of it even started with me. And so he's coming to this this point to say, as a steward, I want to model this to the children of Israel and to us today today that we should be stewards, meaning we manage our resources in the way that God asks us to. Not in the way that the world demonstrates us to live. There's 2,350 scriptures in the Bible that have to do with money. 15% of all scriptures that Jesus talked about was about money 40% of every parable had to do with money or possessions Jesus unapologetically said by the way none of it's yours he says I want to make sure I want to I want to go ahead and make sure I do it in 40% of my parables just in case you just think that this was a little deal to me none of it's yours But listen, we we live in a world that teaches us the opposite. Come on, Western culture teaches us things like greed, materialism. I earned it. This is my money, my bank account, my paycheck, my time. You should just be glad that I showed up today. I gave you my time. And in the first place, this is what David's saying. It's not yours. Nothing's yours. And there's such great freedom when we as followers of Jesus come to this place in our life where we every day just put everything at his feet and say, God, whatever you want to do today with me, whatever you want me to do, God, let me be led by you. Let me hear your voice, God. Put people in my path. Let me use my time. Let me use my talents. God, whatever it is, God, would you help me to live today totally abandoned for you. And that's what David's trying to show us. You can clap right there. You know, it's a tragic thing, and I say this kindly. Born again Christians in America, on average, this means that there's some that would even be less, give 1.9% of their resources to God. Not to a church, forget that, to God as an offering. I think it makes a statement here, and this, this is where we have to be real honest and personal, and this isn't out of any kind of condemnation, but just, just, just hear me here. What you do with your resources ultimately determine what kingdom you belong to. Wow. Great thought. It's, it's just, just a Jesus thought. This is a God thought. This isn't a Mark thought. He says, I'm giving you everything, every day. It, just, it keeps pouring, it keeps pouring, and it keeps pouring. And he says, all I'm asking you to do is to use it for me. I'll put more in your hands. Just use it for me. I remember hearing a fun story about a great theologian. His name was John Wesley. And there was a guy that rode up to him on a horse, all freaked out, and said, Mr. Wesley, Mr. Wesley says, I've got real bad news for you. Your house just burned to the ground. Wesley goes, wasn't my house, it was the Lord's house. He says, I guess that just means I got one less thing to worry about. Walked off. Now, either this guy was in some kind of state of extreme denial, or maybe he really understood that it wasn't his. So so let me ask you a question. Come on, let's just kind of, I'll pull up the little chair here. Can we be real honest with ourselves in the culture in which we live? We look at our American pressures and mine and trying to build key. How much do you allow God to control his resources that are in your hands? Not your resources, his resources. It's like asking your kid for a French fry. I remember, my kids are little. Hey, can I have a French fry? No, mine. It's just like, wait a second. I I bought those French fries, and I'm gonna take every stinking French fry you have, and I'm gonna put them on the ground. I'm gonna step on those French fries. I, I want you, right? Sometimes we're going, okay, God, just like, uh, okay, you you can have this. It's no. Can we be honest? Your house, your home, your car, your iPhone. What happens when it burns up? Ah, oh, well, it's God's, anyways. You know, one less thing. Can we get there? What what a profound place to land. God, help me to recognize everything that you've given me came from you and you've always owned it. I never will. Here's, here, here's the second thing that, that David shows us in the scripture. Here's another reality. Is that God has given me everything, to partner with him. When you go back to this scripture, you recognize that David understood this immense privilege to invest in something that had eternal value. He says, in verse 3, he says, I'm giving all of my own private treasures in gold and silver to help in the construction. What an amazing thought. He's saying, I can put it into wood, hay, stubble. I can put it into something on this earth that means absolutely nothing. Or I can partner with God and have an eternal reward. I mean, think about this. When I look at this, he, he, he already knew that it was God's and what God wanted to do with it. But he, he comes to this place and he says, I'm willing to do whatever it takes To use everything I can because God wants to partner with me. He could have done it some other way. He could have done it without us. I mean, this is how amazing God is. He's saying, listen, I'm going to do this all over the world. I want to do amazing things. And listen, would you be on my team? Would you partner with me? Listen, I'll give you anything that you need in order to partner. I'm just asking that you just work with me once I give it to you. And it's such an amazing, amazing concept. And understand this, just because God asked for his all back, it doesn't mean that he's going to take it all back. Did you hear me there? There's a difference between living your life like this or like this. Funny things about open-handed, free-willing, giving people is when your hand's open, you can fit a whole lot more in your hand. When it's closed you can't get very much into your hand. Second thing is is that no one can take anything from you when your hand is closed, but when it's open, they can take freely. And so God may not take it all, but he's wanting you to just put it all at his feet. And every day, thank him that he allows you to keep it another day, but be open enough to say, God, if you ask me to give away my car, it's yours, you'll just give me a better one. God, if you want me to serve somewhere and give an extra day of my time, you'll probably give me another day. And when we recognize everything that we have, when we give it to him, God just promises, listen, it's going to come back to you. He promises us that. You know, last week we talked in Vision Sunday about a lot of things that we're believing God for. Hopefully you were able to be here for Vision Sunday. If not, I would encourage you to, number one, go online and watch the message because I believe it was a a pivotal point for us as a church. There's also these brochures that are out in the the foyer of every campus. But when I look at this and I think about foster children, I think about homeless people. I think about the underprivileged children that need a chance. I think about those people in different countries Hey, God, thank you for allowing me to partner with you to touch these unfortunate people. And God, help me to use my resources to do whatever I can. Listen, and I just, just, just hear this. We can't do any of this without you. This is us. We can only reach as many people as the family decides to reach together. This is what the family's about. This is not a pressure thing. Please, please hear me here. We will only do as much as us as a church are willing to do. It takes the pressure off me and the pressure off you. If you want to reach the world, let's reach the world. You know, you want to reach one house, we'll go reach one house. But it really comes down to us recognizing... God has amazingly blessed every single one of us with immeasurable blessings, and he's just given us on top of that, not an obligation, not a pressure, but he's given us the opportunity to partner with him to do kingdom things. Mark, that's so amazing. I mean, it's just, I mean, come on. Here's another thought. God has given me everything so that I can bless others. Michael W. Smith once said, love ain't love till you give it away. Really, isn't that what love is? We don't give to get. We give because we love. David's so clear at this. He, he, keep, keep in mind, he's going to give an offering of $4.65 billion. Here's the kicker. He isn't going to see the benefit of any of it. He's going to die. He won't even see the construction of it. The only thing he's going to see is the 214, 40-foot semis taking his stuff away from him to some other place. That's all he'll see. And you know what? He didn't care because he knew what it would do beyond him to bless other people's lives. And God looks down at that and says, now that's the kind of person that I can give an abundance of resources too because they simply aren't giving to get. They're giving because they love. That's all that they're doing it for. Listen to the scripture and this comes up and this is, this is Jesus speaking. So let's get a little Jesus into this morning. Luke 6, 29 through 35, he says, if someone demands from you your coat, he says, offer your shirt also. Give to anyone who asks. We're talking about generosity here. And when things are taken away from you, don't try to get them back. This, 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 it, it sounds so contrary to our American Christianity, doesn't it? He says, do to others as you'd like them to do to you. And if you lend money only to those who can repay you, why should you even get credit for that? Even sinners will lend to others For a full return. Business guys would use the term ROI here. He says, love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then, he's talking about a hard attitude here. He says, if you can live this idea that everything that you have comes from him... Everything that you have is to partner with him and to bless others. He says, when you can come to that position of reality, he says this, then your reward from heaven will be very great and you will truly be acting as a child of the Most High. This this is what he's saying. Live like me. Our mission statement. Live like Jesus Share his love. He's saying, just live like me. Give to love. Give to bless. Do something. And again, that's why, that's why God talks so much about our possessions is because they have so much control over our lives. And he knows that if you can just kind of pull your hand apart and give them... And you do that enough, all of a sudden you start going from stingy, to kind of feel happy and just kind of like, this is fun. I mean, I just, I love my life and I'm happier and more joyful and just like, oh my gosh, this is great. He says, that's when you really find what it means to live like Jesus. Let me just say a couple things here. Let's talk about the generous life opportunity. You and me. What what does this mean to us today? And again, not just this month, I'm talking about on an ongoing opportunity every day of your life. Here's a couple things that apply. Number one is this. The generous opportunity applies to me. No matter who you are, no matter how much you think you have or don't have, this opportunity applies to you. Listen. Listen. God is not concerned about how much you have. He's concerned with what you do with what you have. I'll say that again. Listen to me. God is not concerned by how much you have, but what you do with what you have. You see it in two extreme cases. David 4.65 billion, he gives it to the Lord. The Lord is excited. You go to the New Testament, you find the widow that gives two mites. All she have is like 50 cents. It's like, she's going, well, this is kind of all I got. I know it's small, but it's everything I got. And it says that God, great faith was upon that lady where we would talk about her for thousands of years to come because of her faith to give all that she had. You might have one seed, you might have an abundance of seeds. It doesn't matter. The principle is... He's more concerned what you do with what you have than what you simply have. Those that are given more, you're just held a little bit more accountable to make sure that it doesn't get a hold of you. It's okay to have things as long as things don't have you. It applies to every single one of us. Second thing is this. The generous opportunity is my choice. You get to choose what you do with everything you have. This this is, listen, this has nothing to do with something that we're asking from you. This has everything to do with what will be working in you. It really isn't about us. This is, and again, it's not just the month of November. I'm talking about us as a church coming to a place where we can live live a, a generous life. And it really is a choice. We've been given a free will. We can say yes, or we can say no. But your choice will dictate your outcome. It's the way that it is. My prayer is that you'll realize the amazing joy and peace that comes when you live this way. I love what Martin Luther said. He said this, I have held many things in my hands and I've lost them all. But whatever I've placed in God's hands Those things I still possess. It's a great thought. Here's the last thing. A generous opportunity requires a response. Your response. We have to recognize that every day God places stuff in your hands, and he asks you daily, what are you going to do with what you have? You woke up this morning with an opportunity to serve him one more day. What are you doing of eternal significance? With your time, with your talents. He's given you abilities and talents. There's so much to do in our church today. He's simply saying, what will you do with what you have? Your finances, the same, everything. He's just saying, it requires a response. When I asked my wife and I said, honey, will you marry me? It required a response. The outcome was absolutely amazing. I mean, she got me, right? You know, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. i just kidding. But every truth, every, every principle that you're given in life by God requires a response. You can choose to live like he wants you to or not. Listen to what David says, and then we're going we're gonna to watch a video here. The very end of David's life, he he makes a statement in Psalms 37, 25, and 26. He says, I have been young, and now I'm old. Yet I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. He is ever lending generously, and his children become a blessing. What a promise from God. He gives us the wonderful privilege of pouring into our lives daily His blessings, His stuff. He wants to partner with us. He wants us to bless others. And at the end of the day, it comes down to our response. Slowing life down enough to listen to a biblical truth versus the lies of the world and apply them to our life. It's really that simple. I want you to watch a video. I know you've heard about this particular couple, but when I think about a person or a couple in our church that have truly modeled what we've talked about this morning, giving away their time, their talent, and treasures, when they could be doing a whole lot of other things in their life, I'm just very humbled to know this couple and to be honored that they're a part of our family. I want you to watch this video right now that just shows us what it means to live a generous life. Let's watch this.
2: (laughs) I'm David Rice. This is my wife, Vicki Rice, and we are in charge of Hope uh, Resources here at City Bible.
0: The Lord's enabled us to, um, to resource, at this point now, 12 different ministries.
2: We've been, uh, we've been serving uh, up to, last week, about uh, 1,200 people uh, in the city per week. That's per week. Around 15,000 to 17,000 pounds of food per month.
0: God doesn't ask you to do something that you don't have. He'll, he'll say to you, well, never mind what you don't have. What's in your hand? What have you got to start with? You know, as the needs grow, the supply grows. We serve a God that gives seed to the sower.
2: So we started giving out once a week. Now we could give out three times a week, and we just found out we could give out every day. And mm-hmm. so that's our our heart is to to give out at any age, and any age can do this. That's what's so cool. Any age can do what we do.
0: Our volunteers are incredible. And they have such a heart for people that are in need. They're not, you know, trying to get a name or be, you know, known somewhere. They just have a heartbeat for God. They're full of His power, full of His presence, and they they see a need and they go there. I have had people personally tell me, This has changed my life. I won't ever be the same. This has changed my life. So we're seeing God do revival things as well as feed the hungry, the homeless on the streets, the shelters. Um, we've got different ministries going on uh, where people feed school kids after school and, you know, just all kinds of needs everywhere. And God's supplying them all and more.
2: And we saw the crisis of homeless. Like we have 50,000, they say, here in, in, in Portland alone. And so we have this homeless crisis of, of people and such a need for feeding people. So it's like Abraham and Sarah, you say, God says, here's what you're gonna do. You say, okay, and you just go with the okay. Where the favor of the Lord is. And so the Lord spoke to me a couple of weeks ago. He said, follow the favor. So when His grace is on something, it works. It just works, because He works. God always favored those He was getting ready to use to make a difference. Mm -hmm. He favored Daniel's life because Daniel was getting ready to make a difference in an entire community. When he favored Joseph's life, he became second in command so that he could supply the food seven years later to an entire nation of people. The Bible speaks of Jesus in Luke chapter two and said that he, even Christ, grew in favor. I believe that God is favor. he's favored us here, he's favored this ministry, he's favored this church because he has a greater plan for our existence than we have. And that's his favor and that's the reason he favors us.
1: Come on. Wow. No, I don't know about you, but um, I'm blessed to be part of a family, a church where people on their own fruition like, like David and Vicky, decided to say, I choose to live a generous life. I think it'd be appropriate right now even to put our hands together wherever they're at, whichever campus. Would you put your hands together for David and Vicky Rice? They made it sound so simple. They just made the choice. I wanna make a difference. See, every day on the news, the situation about homeless people, we can go, wow, that's a bummer. Or we can choose to make a difference. They are and they did, and they will. You know, when you think about what we just have talked about this morning and think about our church, we think about Vision Sunday, all the things that God has put in front of us it just feels appropriate for us, you know, for, to, to not only just talk about a generous life, but to give everybody a generous opportunity to respond. And for each of you, that might mean something different. You may already be a great giver, and maybe it's a time issue for you, or maybe you need to serve, maybe you need to use your talents. What, whatever it might be, God's going to speak to you differently. But you know, this morning, um, we saved our tithes and offerings for the end of the service. And so if my serviced hosts on all campus, if you would be ready to pass the buckets here in a moment, I'd like for you to do that. If you're here this morning and you, you need to give your tithes or offerings, we want to give you that opportunity as we pass buckets this morning. Let me just say this, and I felt quickened to say this. Tithing is not generosity. Tithing is obedience. I know this is so hard in the culture in which we live, but, you know, especially our 1130 service with a lot of new people, generosity happens after we've already tithed. The first step to being a generous person is to, first of all, be obedient with the principles that God's put in you. That's why we talk every week now about the generosity moments. Listen, we're not trying to get something from you. We're just trying to form something in you. And that's the bottom line. Come on, guys. But beyond that, beyond our tithes and offerings, which we're going to do in a moment, I want you to pull out this particular brochure that's in your seat back right in front of you. Every person, if there's not one in front of you or if there's been too many that have been taken from the last service on any campus, there is a service host. If you just wave your hand, this doesn't mean you have to do something today. Can I ask everybody, again, just just to remain seated for a moment. But if, if you would just grab one of these and open it up for me, that would be deeply appreciated. And I want you to open up to this middle section. And as you look at the two left-hand panels, you'll see that our goal over the next four weeks is to believe God for $1,102,000 to do everything that we've talked about last week and in the days to come. And if you notice, there's four different boxes here. Giving to show his love, giving to spread his word, giving to live like Jesus, and giving to build his house. Each week, we're going to highlight one of these four areas. Today, we highlighted in the video, giving to show his love. And this particular week, again, we're going to give you the opportunity every week to give towards one of these areas. You don't have to wait till that week to give to that area. You can give to any of these areas on any week. And so every week we're going to stop and we're going to pause. We're going to look at one of these areas and we're going to encourage you to live a generous life with us, knowing that we're going to only do what we as a church family decide to do. It's very freeing. Our vision goes only as far as people are willing to help fulfill it with your time, your talent, and your treasures. And in this upper left-hand column where you see or a corner where it says giving to show his love, you'll notice it says reaching the community, $73,000. And if you look on the back side of this tab right here, you'll see in specific detail where we're going to reach our community. We've talked about these last week. We'll just mention them again. Foster Parent Night Out. We'd love to reach more than 4,000 foster kids in our city like never before. We want to help feed the homeless. You saw what we're doing, over 1,200 a week. Christian Students United Club, we have 12 campuses now that are giving away pizzas and meeting with kids and leading them to Christ. We want to work with anti-sex trafficking groups like uh, SARC, Sexual Assault Resource Center, with Abolition Now, Rahab Sisters, to help girls get off the street from prostitution, police rest stops, Responder Life, Compassion Connect, which are medical and dental clinics, as well as Oregon Family Council, which is an organization that helps fight for traditional family values. Here's what's different about Faith Harvest this year for those of you that would be new. We're giving you the opportunity in advance to be able to give to specific areas. And so we're telling you in advance, here's where you can give. And most importantly, you can give according to your passion. So you have a burden for homeless people. Your offering will go specifically to that area. And we'll just believe God that he's going to fund the areas that we put on our heart. How many think that that's a good idea? It's a new idea. It's a good idea for us. And so let me me ask you, uh, beyond your tithes and offerings, I'd love for every person to, to fill this out. And uh, again, maybe you can't give today, but maybe you want to make a pledge today. And maybe that pledge will be for one of the areas for myself where it says, please use my gift pledge to the area needed most. I'm just giving to the general, just saying, hey, guys, use my offering for whatever you see is best. So whatever that is, would you fill this out for me? And in a moment, when we pass the buckets, We're going to ask our our elders and our pastors and our connect group leaders to come forward. And we have a tradition here at City Bible Church where we love to pray for people. If you're wanting to give a faith harvest offering, we want to pray over you. We want to pray for a blessing over your life. We want to pray for favor over your life. And this year, we want to give away, we've got these cute little jars here. It says the generous life and it's filled with seed. If if you come forward and are prayed for, we want to give you one of these. And we want you to set this like on your desk, in your car, um, at home, wherever it might be, bathroom counter, to remind yourself about, hey, I wanna live a generous life. So we wanna put those into your hands. So I'm just gonna ask right now, um, we're gonna go back in and and, um, sing a song. You can put your tithes and offerings in the buckets as they come by. If you want prayer over your pledge, hold that, and after we sing the song one time, you can come forward and we can pray for that. Can I hear an amen? And listen, I I love you guys so much. Listen, I believe God wants to do so many great things. The, 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 The future is so bright for us. And if we would just partner together as a family, I believe God will want to do great things in the days to come with all of us. Can I hear an amen? Amen. So we're going to go ahead and sing this song.